All right, can you guys hear me okay? Awesome, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, like uh, Tucker said, Corey is off at fair doing the dad thing. So uh, I remember, Tucker, the first time that you were asked to fill in for Corey, you came up here and you referred to yourself as the B squad. So I'm not sure where that leaves me, if that means I'm the C squad or if I'm somewhere further down the alphabet, but. We got, we got corrected, we're all varsity. <laughs> So, uh, you know, this morning I was asked to uh, uh, bring you guys the, the same message that I shared uh, when we were down on our mission trip uh, with the youth here down in New Mexico on the Navajo Indian Reservation. They wanted me to, to, to bring that same message to you guys this morning, so uh, I apologize to the kids that already heard it once. You're going to have to hear it again, but they can tell you if I did anything different. So um, we, we're going to dive into that here in a minute, but before I do that, um, I, I'll second what Tucker said. Um, anybody that is new or visiting, um, welcome to Beecher Island Sunday School. Um, as Corey always says, we are an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And that is very important to us here. Um, everything that we share comes from, from here. So um, we'll go ahead and uh, dive right into it here uh, for a minute. So I, I guess you know where I want to start. Rachel shared this morning a, a prayer request. Uh, for her cousin Heidi um, down in Australia and all the things that they're dealing with down there. They're, they're experiencing martial law. Um, there's, there's military equipment out on the roads down there. They're keeping people locked down under the threat of arrest, um, all under the guise of COVID. And, uh, you know, I, this last year and a half, there's been so much change that we've seen in the world around us. And it's kind of hard for us to fathom. Um, it's, it's certainly hard for people to fathom who don't know Christ, but it's even hard for us to fathom as believers. Uh, you know, everything's just kind of been upended, and what we used to know no longer is the way it was. Uh, our politics have become more and more divisive, uh, and it just it feels so exhausting and, and unbearable to us. And so a lot of people have been asking questions, and I think that this is a really good thing because the, the harvest is, is ripe. There's a ripe field right now. Um, that, that's out there and um, the opportunity is great uh, you know it, it I'll say this from personal opinion it's not all bad right like uh, I, I like food you can tell nobody's surprised by that everybody sees me in public but you can I mean like you can pick up food now at the curb you don't have to go in like there, there's some really good things about it right um, but ultimately uh, you know th th there's a plentiful harvest out there like I said and, and even right here in this community and I think that we have to pay really close attention to the opportunity that is among us. I mean, we've seen um, just here as a body of believers in this church, just how much growth that we've seen in the last year and new people coming and, and seeking uh, the word and seeking truth. Uh, and so, you know, people, people's hearts are being opened, I, I, I think, to the gospel in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime. Uh, and, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, it actually says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, right here in this body of believers, in these pews, are the laborers. And I, I want to share a message with you guys um, this morning that I believe is going to be uplifting to you uh, and, and, and bring uh, some joy and, and a new spirit. Uh, a lot of believers I've heard, and I, I'm going to admit I've wondered these things too, 
in the last year have asked these questions like, uh, are we in end times? You know, is there is there a rapture? And and you know, what what does thing what do things look like? Where where are we at in the biblical timeline? Um, and and so I, I don't necessarily have all I don't know all the answers to that. Uh, those are things I'm still struggling with too. Uh, but like I said, I want to share a message with you guys this morning. So um, we are going to be in Revelation chapter three. Uh, while you guys flip that open, I'm going to just open with a quick word of prayer. Father God. Uh, Man, it's awesome to just come together like this as a body of believers. Lord, we know that uh, there are places in the world, um, and, and not just in uh, dictator third world countries, but in places around the world, just like Australia right now, where people aren't allowed to come together like this, Lord. And we just um, we pray for our brothers and sisters um, as we think about them this morning. But we just thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity. And Lord, we don't take it lightly. We know that uh, uh, that, that can change in a moment's notice. Uh, Lord, I just, uh, I pray that your spirit would, would stir um, some people up this morning, that, uh, that that your spirit would just awaken in them, that you would uh, be be present here, and that that uh, um, your spirit would just bring upon everyone here a, a, a picture of who you are, the awesomeness that you have prepared for us, and the clarity of uh, uh, how this story ends. And Lord, we just thank you that we have your word to be able to look at for those things. And it's in his name we pray, amen. All right, so in Revelation chapter 3, we're actually going to start um, at verse 14. Now, just a quick side note. As I said earlier, you know, people are asking questions about, you know, where, where are we at in a biblical timeline? And I, you can agree with me or not on this. I don't think it's one of those things that really matters too strongly. But but I believe that we are somewhere between Ezekiel 37 and 38, right? We, we are in a period of time where God has regathered his people to, to his nation, Israel. And what comes next after the church age is an invasion of the nation of Israel from the nation of Russia, Magog. Um, and so I believe that that's where we are. Um, but, uh, again, um, you know, today we're going to dive into Revelation and take a look at um, some things there. So if you turn to chapter 3, verse 14, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start from there. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea, thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. I just want to stop there for a second because when I, I was studying the book of Revelation several months back and when I, when I read that, it was like a gut punch to me. It hit me right, right in the stomach like, ooh, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Like, what a picture that is. Um, so I, I wanted to pause there and we'll come back to it. And I'll read it again. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. White clothes so that you may be dressed in your shameful nakedness, not be exposed. And ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, there's a lot there to unpack, and we're not going to stop there today. But I do want to talk about a couple of things. So, first of all, a little background. We need to understand what Revelation is all about. The root word of Revelation being revealed, right? And, and is literally the revealing of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, and his awesomeness and his power and the return of his kingdom. Chapters 2 and 3 walk us through the church's history in seven prophetic letters about the church history, about the church age, okay? And where we're picking up here from uh, verse 14 in chapter 3, we're reading about the last letter, the last of the seven letters to the church of Laodicea. Uh, and what's interesting to me here is that uh, being that this is the last letter, the last church, I think that this is a picture of where we're at right now in our current age. And in this church that we just read about, it's filled with half-hearted, uncaring, and dispassionate believers. Right? They're lukewarm. They're, they're, they're just kind of showing up. They're, they're not really engaged. They're not really um, taking the gospel out. Right? They're lukewarm. And the, if, you, if you dig into this, the, the name Laodicea, okay, it actually means ruled by the people. That is the actual literal translation for the name Laodicea, ruled by the people. And I, I think that sounds great and all, right? But, um, you know, this church was ruled by the people in that sense, um, and so so is this, uh, this city. Uh, but, but what happens when we vote to override the Word of God, right? Um, it's pretty dangerous, yeah? I mean, we see this, I think, uh, there's a lot of churches right now we see that are saying, Gay marriage is okay, right? We'll accept that. And, and changing the word of God, choosing to just pull things out and, and, and make, uh, you know, cut those, those things out conveniently out of the Bible that, that are uncomfortable to them or they're not popular as part of current culture. Um, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's happening right before our eyes. Uh, so in verse 16... God's depiction of how he feels about this is really strong, right? I read it already. He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you take your position, not be lukewarm. Because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out. Like that, that picture, again, just, it really hits me hard. Like, I don't, I don't want to be vomited out of God's mouth, you know? It, it's, it's him saying that when we're lukewarm and we can't really decide where we're at, it leaves such a bitter, disgusting taste in his mouth that he'd rather just spit us out. And that, that's pretty hard. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but that, that, that's hard for me to hear. Uh, and there's really only two choices, right? There's Christ or there's Satan. And which, side, which side are we on? There really is no in-between. We can't... You know, I think uh, in our modern age, people like to believe that there is this third option, right? I can just be 
um, apathetic. I can be an atheist, and I can say that those things don't exist. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna camp right here in the middle and say I don't. It doesn't matter. I'm not taking a side. Well, the Bible says very clearly here that there are no sides. You're either on one or the other. You can't really be in between. And by being lukewarm, he vomits us out of his mouth. Uh, God gets it if we reject him, right? That's why it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. He gets it if we reject him. That is the wide road, right? The narrow path is to follow him. That's what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to take the narrow path and walk with him. What disgusts him most is when we can't make up our minds, when we're lukewarm, when we show up on Sunday just to fill a pew, just to check a box, just to appease what somebody else thinks we ought to do, um, and put on a facade, right? That, that's what he doesn't like. He doesn't like when, when we're lukewarm. Um, so in verse 20, can't seem to turn my page here. Verse 20, he gives us an invitation, right? He's telling us he's knocking on our door. He's there. All we need to do is open the door and let him in, right? That's all, that's all it takes for us to choose our side and not be lukewarm. So what happens then after the church age? Have you guys ever wondered what heaven looks like? I mean, I, I've, I've wondered that before. I try to picture... What is it going to be like? What am I going to be doing? What are other people going to be doing? And uh, what is it going to feel like? What is it going to sound like? You know, we, we want to envision that. And I don't think it's really possible for us to fully comprehend it. But what I love here is that if we move into chapter 4, which we're going to do, it paints a picture for us. God, God gave us a picture, a very vivid picture of heaven here in chapter 4 that I think is awesome and is so much clearer than anything else that we find anywhere in the Bible. So, if we go on to chapter 4 here, uh, I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2 real quick. After this, so after the church age, after those seven churches, after this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. Okay, so... I could be wrong here, but I think that this is a depiction of the rapture. Very similar to what we see in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, God used Ezekiel to demonstrate prophecy, to actually play it out, right? I mean, he laid on his side eating cow dung for a year and a half to demonstrate to the people of Israel about, to prophecy about their, their uh, judgment from God. Right? So I think this is very similar. What we're seeing here is a picture of how John is being taken up to heaven and, and being raptured. Now, I, I, I want to point out a couple of verses here that I think present my point. Okay, um, And again, I, I can be wrong, but let's take a look first. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
verses 51 through 52. It says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. So if we go back to what I just read here, there's the depiction of the trumpet. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place. Right? And, and we see this, this speaking through the trumpet. What I think is important here too, and I underlined it in my Bible, is it says, and I will show you what must take place. Right? There's no question about this, that it's going to take place. It's not a might take place. It's not a if, if it'll take place. It's not a It'll take place only if, right? It's, it's, it, this must take place. It will take place. But if we also look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, it says, For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are, who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. To truly grasp what is being said here, we, I think we need to understand the meaning of, the, of, of a phrase here, and that's caught up. Okay? There's a lot of meaning, I believe, that is lost in the translation from Hebrew to English. And uh, for us to really understand it, we kind of have to dig into those things. And so the phrase caught up here is actually found in the original Hebrew text as the word harpazo. Okay, the word harpazo is, is the original Hebrew for caught up. The Latin text for that exact phrase is raptus. And that is where we get the English word for rapture. So I think understanding what the Hebrew translation or the Hebrew language says there, we can translate this verse as, then we who are still alive who are left will be raptured together. Okay? And, and I, I believe that that is our indication that, yes, there is a rapture, and that rapture happens after the church age. So let's continue to hear how John describes heaven. We're going to pick up from, uh, from verse 3. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone, a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy. Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. 
Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. I read that and I just go, wow. Like, <laughs> I, I could never dream that up, right? I mean, it's, what an amazing picture that is. And that, that song, Holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Uh, we've heard that song, right, before? And we're going to sing that song here today. And I, I just think it's amazing to picture singing that song together in heaven. So we're going to rehearse that today. We're going to do that together. Okay, so that way when we, when we get there, our voices are perfect, right? <laughs> um, but I just think this is an amazing depiction. And what I actually thought of here when I read this, um, you know, having four kids, I watch a lot of kids' movies. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys have seen Kung, Kung, or, uh, Kung Fu Panda, right? And uh, the, the lead character in Kung Fu Panda is this panda that does Kung Fu named Poe. And he, in the, in the movie, he enters the, the Hall of Warriors, okay? And the Hall of Warriors are all these great ninja warriors before him that he idolizes and thinks are amazing. And that's the whole reason why he's into Kung Fu in the first place. And in the movie, he goes in there into the Hall of Warriors and he goes nuts. He just goes crazy. He runs around. He's jumping up and down. He's rolling around on the floor. He's giggling. He's laughing and crying at the same time. And he just can't believe that he actually gets to see the Hall of Warriors and how amazing it is that he gets to touch the things that are there. And so one would describe that as geeking out, right? So, so, so I, I picture that, and I'm like, that's exactly how I see myself being when I arrive in heaven. And I see this picture. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to geek out in heaven. Um, and I think, I think God wants us to, right? I mean, that, that's why it's here. That's why he gave us the word. That's why he revealed these things to John, so that we could read about it and see this picture of what heaven looks like so we can, we can geek out about it, we can get excited about it, we can know that this is our victory and this is what it looks like for us to be there by his side, right? And so um, there's a lot of things that are happening here. We see uh, God sitting on the throne and there's, there's a rainbow. Rainbow being a reminder of his covenant with us, right? The, the rainbow is there. Thunder and lightning all around him, however, are signs of a storm. Okay? It's a sign of judgment. Sign of judgment. Judgment is coming. Okay? Um, we see these, these, these four living creatures that are depicted as having eyes and six wings, and day and night they're singing this song, uh, Holy, Holy, Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. And when these creatures decide to worship, everyone worships. Right? There's not anybody in heaven that isn't worshiping that moment when these creatures are worshiping and they're doing that why they're doing it because God is worthy that's what it says right here the whole reason that they are worshiping is because God is worthy he is worthy of our praise he is worthy of our worship he is worthy of our trust and our faith he's worthy of of all of it so next what we get to see though as we move forward gets a little bit scarier but I think for us as believers, it gets more exciting. And that is that we get to see the preparation for God's wrath to be poured out. And so if we move on to chapter 5 here, starting in verse 1. 
Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one, was, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look in it. I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Now John is weeping here because he knows that this scroll is the answer to fixing what's broken. He knows that if this scroll isn't open, what happens is continuation of evil and pain and suffering here on earth. Right? So he's weeping because there's nobody that's good enough. Nobody is found that can open this scroll and, and be able to address it. Now, I think to really grasp an awesome picture of what this is talking about here, we need to, we need to talk about this scroll a little bit and understand um, what it is. So, again, we have, to, we have to read the word in context. And uh, what we need to know is that papyrus scrolls, as they were back in that time to the Jewish people, a papyrus scroll was typically only written on one side and sealed with one seal. All right, so the fact that this seal is being described here as being written on both sides with seven seals makes it a very unique seal. It is not a very unique scroll. It's not your typical scroll. Well, in Jewish culture, the, a scroll would only be written on both sides and sealed with seven seals if it was a title deed. Okay, so literally this is a title to a piece of property in their time where they would start off by writing the information on one side of the seal. But what would happen is if the property owner would default on that deed for any reason, they would take the deed and they would write on the back side of the deed the cost to redeem that property. And then they would seal it with seven seals. And those seven seals could not be broken until that property was redeemed at the cost that was written on the back of the seal. So I believe, understanding that context, the history of the Jewish people, and reading this here and seeing this description, this is a title deed. And not only is it, it's not just a title deed, this is the title deed to earth, right? Because Adam defaulted on that, that property. Adam defaulted on that deed, okay? Uh, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. They defaulted on it. So now written on the back of that scroll is what it's going to take in order to redeem the earth, to redeem God's people. And nobody is found worthy here to be able to open that deed. Uh, I think that This is part of the reason, right? Let, let, let me back up. So when Adam defaulted on the original deed, Satan was given the ability to reign on our earth, right? That, that's why when, when Jesus, when he attempted to, to tempt Jesus, he offered him what? He offered him the ability to rule all the kingdoms of the earth. Well, Satan wouldn't be able to offer that to him if he didn't already possess it, right? But Christ wasn't tempted because he knew, he knows the plan. He knows the plan for this. Um, all right, so let's continue then. Verse 7. No, not verse 7. I'm sorry. 
yes, verse 5. Okay, so he, John weeps, right? Verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went back and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. Okay, so we hear, we see now the lamb has arrived. The lamb can take the seal. That is Jesus. Okay, that is that is the resurrected Jesus Christ. And this lamb is like nothing that we've ever seen before. It's not like a lamb that we go out and we can see today here in Yuma County, right? Um, it's actually a very interesting picture that I wouldn't even want to try to draw because it is just that, it's that odd to think about, right? I mean, it's got seven eyes and seven horns and uh, it says that it was sent out by all the seven spirits. Well, to unpack that a little bit further too, the number seven is used throughout the Bible that has a depiction of completeness and perfection, right? That, that is what it is. It makes, it, it is complete. It is perfect. The whole earth was created in seven days, okay? Uh, horns seen throughout the Bible represent power. Horns represent power. And I believe that the seven spirits here represent the Holy Spirit, the perfect Holy Spirit. So, the seven horns means that this lamb is all-powerful. The seven eyes mean that this lamb is all-seeing. The seven spirits mean that it's all-present, right? It is... Jesus Christ resurrected. It is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus is this lamb in the lion. And because of Jesus' complete work on the cross, he is able to open the scroll. All right, so picking up from there at verse 8. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. I feel like I have to pause there for a second because it's awesome, right? Like they're seeing, they're seeing Jesus take this scroll, and they just all fall face down because they're in awe that the Messiah is able to redeem the earth. Okay, so they all fall face down. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood for every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth and under the earth, on the sea and everything in them say, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. I uh, just that, that picture, guys, is just amazing to me. I, I don't even know how to fathom it. I really don't. Um, it's uh, it's incredible to me 
to, to see this picture of, of heaven. Um, and what I want to do, I want to ask uh, the, the music team to come up and uh, we're going to, like I said, we're going to sing that song here in just a minute. Um, the Lamb is worthy. Amen, right? Um, because of Jesus and His work on the cross, we will one day be caught up to heaven. We will one day be raptured up to heaven. And we will be singing this victory song. And I can't wait for that day. I think it's awesome. We'll be, we'll be up there singing this, this victory song, falling on our faces in worship. It's just because of His sacrifice. And I think um, what this really... Again, the gut punch here for me is I don't want to be lukewarm. You know, like uh, I read this and I'm, I just want to be on fire. I want to be on fire for Christ. That That is where I want to be because I want to be, I, I want, guys, I want to see this picture of heaven. I, I want to be there. Um, and yeah, I, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be vomited out because I'm lukewarm. So I guess I would I would ask uh, I would ask you guys to you know maybe reflect a little bit yourself this morning um, on where you feel like you're at are are you have you been lukewarm because I know I have been I've been lukewarm right and uh, I think that's something we all struggle with um, only by the Holy Spirit in us can we be on fire for Christ only by the, the Holy Spirit it's not our works right. It, very clearly says that uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 that uh, we are saved by grace through faith and not by any of our works because no one should boast. Right? It's, it's not of our work, it's of His. And so, um, you know, are you, do you feel like you've uh, just been showing up to church to fill the pew? Or are, you, are you here because others expected of you? Um, do you feel like there's a harvest right in front of you in your own community with your own circle of influence that, that maybe you could be helping to harvest? I know there's one in mind. Um, and I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Like I said, I struggle with this. Uh, but I, I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. Um, I, want, I want God to use me so that I can, I can be on fire for Him. And I want people to see that. Uh, there's only one way to do that, guys. And, and it has, like I said, nothing to do with us or our works, it has to do with us giving everything up to Him. It has to do with us saying, God, I want you to be in my life and I want you to control everything, every thought, every footstep. Um, so, if if that's you, you know, um, maybe you've never accepted Christ before, today's the day to do that. Uh, tomorrow's, not, tomorrow's not promised to us. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I, I would ask... Uh, uh, or encourage you if, if you've not accepted Christ into your heart. Today is the day to do that. Um, and and furthermore, there's nothing there's nothing in the Bible that says we can't pray to accept Christ into our heart more than once, right? We don't only get one time to do that, and then the the box is checked, and we don't ever have to do it again, right? I, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, God, I'm I'm rededicating myself to you today, and and I, I'm I'm inviting you into my heart again, right? Um, it's a re a recommitment. Uh, so I want to ask you guys to do that today. I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to pray a prayer that uh, whether you've never accepted Christ before 
or uh, you want to recommit yourself to Him today, you can just pray along with me in, in, your, own, uh, in your own mind, in your own heart. You can pray these words and, uh, uh, and, and, and accept Christ or recommit yourself to Him. So let, let's go to our Father in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for um, this awesome picture that, that you've given us uh, of what heaven looks like and, and knowing that uh, your judgment will come one day. And Lord, we look forward to that day. We look forward to the opportunity to uh, fall down on our face in worship of you and uh, be there right beside you in victory as you, uh, as you pour out your judgment and your wrath. And Lord, uh, man, I just want to I just want to come before you now just to tell you that um, I, uh, I've i not been perfect. Uh, and Lord, I, I, I struggle every day with, with my own sin. I struggle with with wanting to be in control, with wanting to, to do things my way, with wanting to uh, just think that I've got it. I've got it figured out. And Lord, uh, that, that's, not, that's just not who I want to be anymore. I, I want to I want to be walking right beside you. I want to be um, I want to have you guiding my every footstep. I want you uh, to be in my heart, to reign there forever, and uh, and to just give me that peace and that comfort of knowing that uh, uh, you are are there with me and that you uh, died for me on the cross because you so loved me even when I didn't deserve it. Lord, I just I thank you for that. I thank you that you, knowing me and knowing the, the, the struggles that I have and the evil thoughts that, that I have and the, the sinful things that I do, that you would sacrifice yourself for me in that way. Lord, it's, it's impossible to fathom a love that, that, is, that is like that. And... Uh, um, it's, it's unimaginable to us. And Lord, I thank you that uh, because of that sacrifice, I get to come before you in prayer right now and uh, accept you into my heart and ask you to, to reign there and live there with me. And uh, that I get to bring my prayers to you and, uh, and know that they are heard. And, uh, and God, I just uh, thank you that, that I have that option for, uh, for my own salvation. And God... Um, my words can never be enough to explain just how much I'm grateful for that. Uh, God, I, uh, I thank you for, for that opportunity. I thank you for uh, living within me and uh, give, giving me a hope each day. And, and I thank you, Lord, that, that in your word we know how the story ends. We know that we have victory uh, as things around us are, are scary. Uh, and, and we don't know what, what happens from day to day and, and, and where things go that we know we can come to you and we know that we win in the end. And Lord, uh, I just want to pray now for anybody that prayed this prayer here today. I pray uh, whether they're a new believer or uh, just somebody that has been walking with you and maybe feels like they are lukewarm. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just fill them with a fire, that they would walk out of here with uh, uh, a grace swagger, if you will, not not a not a pride swagger that's of ourselves, but 
uh, a gray swagger that is of you, uh, that as we walk, people would just know and see that we're walking with you, and that uh, there's a fire uh, inside of us. God, I thank you again for your sacrifice, and it's in his name that we pray. All right, if any of you guys uh, prayed that prayer with me, you, uh, you need to tell somebody. Um, and I would like to pray with you. I'll be up here. Nathan is going to be in the back. Um, if you would like prayer, you can come to either one of us. Um, even if you would just prefer that we pray with you in private, you can come let us know that. We'll, we'll do that too. Stay and sing.